I have to be delusional enough to think people are going to listen to this. It's thunderstorming outside. There's lightning. Hit me with it. Come on. How smart can you be when you have huge mantids? Okay, he, him. Go put your pronouns and go sit in the corner. I'll take care of this. It's just common sense. Why, hello there, Miss Milkmaid. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How about yourself, commoner? Having an absolute blast, pumped and ready to go. So I think you have one of the coolest niches, niches on Twitter. So perhaps you could introduce yourself to the people and how you would describe your niche. Sure, of course. Hi, everyone. I'm Bowtide Milkmaid, and I post a lot about uh, first off raw milk, second of all, second of all cows, and... Third, just random other things, like uh, I post a lot about my family and being outside. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> the best way to describe it. <laughs> so did you grow up on a farm? What's your experience with cows? So I actually didn't grow up on a farm. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs. I lived about actually 40 miles away from downtown Milwaukee, but even 40 miles from downtown Milwaukee, you see a ton of cows um, mm. in Wisconsin. Uh, my grandparents actually own a dairy farm. And so every weekend that I wasn't busy, we were up on the farm. They still run their farm like it's in the 1940s. <laughs> they do not have a milking parlor. They do most things by hand. Uh, so it takes a lot of labor. And so, you know, as they got older, we were there to help out on the weekends when we could. I would call that growing up on a farm. I think that suffices as farm experience. <laughs> what, why are they not updating the technology on the farm? So I would put them into probably the most common category of farmers and say that they're very stubborn and stuck in their ways. And they did not see any need to advance. Everything worked just the way it was. And if something got broken, my grandpa would fix it. Fair. I, I like to hear all the different rationale. After talking to Octopod about it and his relationships with independent farmers and things like that, I think the network of small farms, really fascinating. Um, so for instance, for your grandparents' farm, was the meat available to people in Milwaukee or would they send it all over the country? Who was eating it? It was mostly just a dairy farm, um, but they actually sold their milk to a regional cheesemaker. So they could buy it. You could buy it in the store um, within uh, the eastern part of the region. And then so right now at their peak, they were milking about 50 cows. But right now, my grandpa is 95, and so he can't really keep up with that much. So they only milk six right now, and my uncle actually will buy bull calves and raise them out to be uh, steers. And I believe they just sell to um, the local meat packing plant. Um, we And then they also sell to us, too. Like, my parents will buy their... Um, meat from the bull calves very cool very cool mm -hmm. where I am I don't have any connections relationships with small independent farmers so I am at the mercy of the grocery store but I just 
ideally in the future, I'll be able to buy more locally sourced goods. And that's one of the things you talk about a lot on your Twitter is farmers markets, local produce. Can you explain a bit about what your experience has been with that or anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I have very good connections with um, local farmers, kind of just wherever I go. It just happens to be that I always find a connection. Uh, But if you don't, like in your position, I definitely encourage going to uh, farmer's markets. And, you know, people say, I think I saw something the other day about somebody living in Ohio and saying that it was really tough to find a farmer's market. They're only open Saturday mornings. And I kind of find that a little hard to believe. I actually worked on a farmer's market study during one summer when I was in college and it was in a very huge metropolitan area. And we were going to farmer's markets um, during lunch on the weekdays. We were going to them Tuesday nights, Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings, Friday nights. So I think if you really want to and put the effort in, you could make it to go to at least a farmer's market once or twice a month. And if you can't, I definitely encourage you to grow your own food by yourself. Uh, I know some people are a little challenged in (laughs) growing plants, which I find that, again, hard to believe because people don't have a problem having cats and dogs, but plants, you just have to water them. (laughs) If you get a really low-key plant, you don't have to worry about them getting so much sun or so much shade, but you just, you know, check on them like, I don't know, three or four times a week. Uh, I know that I have been growing plants by myself for a couple of years now, and I've been able to easily grow tomatoes, lettuce, rosemary, thyme, um, and then even some strawberries too. So it's definitely possible if you put in the effort and the time. And why do you think it is worth the effort to grow instead of buying it from the grocery store? How much better is it for you? How much better does it taste? It tastes a thousand times better. Um, and I think it's it's also convenient. You know, you can take a couple steps or, you know, walk across your yard to get your food. And then I think it's also, there's a pride factor. Like, I grew this. Like, I went from seed to, you know, boot stage to harvest stage. And it's going in my salad or I'm cooking it. And you're seeing it you know, through the end, you're seeing the whole process. I completely agree. Unfortunately, I'm in a high rise. So I would like to have a more full fledged garden. Uh, Definitely, as soon as I move out of this godforsaken building, I will be planting my seeds as they say, but definitely looking forward to it. And I totally relate to the pride bit. If you already enjoy cooking, why not take it a step further and grow your own ingredients? Um, Exactly. On the topic of ingredients, I have a lot of confusion when I go to the grocery store and I don't know what all of the labels mean. So if you have any insight, like, is grass-fed beef significantly different from grain-finished beef? Is it always actually finished with grass? Is that just a regulation thing? Any insight on what type of meat is worth buying? Um, first off, same. I get confused by all the labels at the grocery store as well. Um, why do you need to put non-GMO in water? 
I don't <laughs> understand that. <laughs> um, but I actually, I've done a little bit of research uh, on uh, grass finished, grass fed, grain finished, all those weird niche labels. Uh, and a lot of people make an emphasis on the difference in fatty acids and the fatty acid profiles. And it really comes down to how many milligrams per 100 grams of meat per fatty acid. Like it's so minuscule. So in order for it to make a huge impact on, you know, your health, you would have to eat, you know, grass finished, grass fed beef for your entire life to mm. make like a significant impact. And it really comes to like your priorities too. Are you worth, are you considering, you know, paying more? Grass finished is going to be a lot more expensive, but it also may be more local. But if you live in Nebraska, your meat is coming from the feedlot from your state. So that may be more local than grass fed beef because there's not a lot of grass. It's all corn out there. Right, right. So it. And there's like transportation costs, you know, if you're getting grass fed beef, that isn't again, local, or if you're getting grain fed, that was finished in Nebraska, but you know, they don't include those labels that you are curious about. They're just putting labels that are eye catching. Right. It's all for marketing purposes. Um, and so gra grass fed only means grass finish or no. Uh, so grass-fed means that they're fed, they're on pasture their entire lives. Okay. So in a uh, beef industry, so the way it usually goes is they start off on cow-calf operations, which are across the country. There's not really any particular region that's, you know, more popular than another. And then typically you'll go and have them finish in a feedlot, which is usually in the Great Plains area, um, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas. Um, and then there could also be a stage in between there called stockering. So sometimes they might not reach that weight that they want to be at in the feedlot. So they'll go into like an, a middleman and they'll spend a couple months there and uh, gain a couple hundred pounds before then going to the feedlot. And the stockering and backgrounding can be um, anywhere in the country as well. Okay. That makes a lot more sense then. I, I had no idea any of this information about the system of finishing cows on grass or corn. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> so another thing you majorly talk about on your Twitter account is raw milk. As you have said before, that you came from the dairy farm. Why do you think raw milk has a bad rap? in other circles? I think a lot of it comes down to mostly liability reasons, uh, especially if you do end up getting sick from raw milk. You know, it, you're liable as a farm. And my mom has told stories because my mom grew up on a dairy farm. And so she drank raw milk growing up. And uh, it used to be super popular um, in their area. But you know, there was like a bad case of E. coli or something. And, you know, you have one bad experience with raw milk and just kind of you have a bad experience with anything. You kind of tainted their vision of raw milk, at least for in that area. And then I think 
when it comes to like policies and regulation and government, it's again about them trying to control what we can and can't eat. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. So is raw milk any different? Like, is it more vulnerable to bacteria than other types of food? Uh, I would say so. If it's not pasteurized and not homogenized, those processes are there to get rid of bacteria, both good and bad, unfortunately. And um, I will say, you know, you're always, honestly, you're taking a risk anytime you eat any type of food. You don't know what it could be exposed to, even if it's, you know, bought at a grocery store or you're always going to risk food poisoning when you go to a restaurant. But, you know, I think it's worth the risk for the benefits, at least for raw milk. And what are some of the benefits? Um, The benefits would be, you know, you have those good enzymes and good microbes that help uh, support your digestive system and help your microbiome in stabilizing it. And you can't really get those enzymes from any other food source other than, you know, raw milk from, you know, cow or goat or buffalo or (laughs) any other mammal that, you know, produces milk. Okay, fascinating. Um, So if I were to go to a farmer's market, it's likely I could find raw milk there. And is that raw milk safe? How can I know? You can't. The best thing that I like to tell people when they're considering raw milk for the first time and they're a little weary of it is to ask if you can tour their facilities. It's really all about the cleanliness of you know, the barn where they milk their cows uh, because cows are messy. Uh, mm-hmm. I have never seen a clean barn. There's always poop and, you know, other things flying around. And I've seen really clean milking parlors and I've seen some kind of dirty ones. So that would be the first place to start is to ask if you can see their milking facilities. And I feel like if they get defensive about that. Um, I understand, but also it might be a little bit of a red flag. Uh, (laughs) At least where I buy raw milk right now, you're free to walk around the farm and look at everything. Um, Another place to look is where they hold their milk, which is in a bulk tank. That room should be really clean as well. So clearly humans have been drinking milk from cows directly without pasteurization and homogenization for hundreds of years. So (laughs) they weren't dropping dead from drinking it back then, most often. I mean, people were dropping dead back then for a lot of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Things were just dirtier. But there's nothing Mm -hmm. inherently evil about the substance that it needs to go through this chemical process. Correct. Okay, I would agree with that. Okay, so it's just susceptible to being dirty like every other food group, perhaps slightly more so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair. I've never tried it. It's definitely on my list, but I, I just yeah, don't know when I go to a farmer's market. Is that a good one? As you just said, it'd be nice to see it. Yeah. I I think for raw milk, it's definitely, at least for my first time, I wouldn't buy it at a farmer's market. I would see if I could buy it on site at the farm Mm. uh, and go to a farm store and yeah that's not always 
easy. I think I tweeted about this the other week. You know, it doesn't make sense if you have to drive two or three hours to go get your raw milk. First off, you're going to have to, you know, make sure you have a good place for it in the car so it doesn't spill (laughs) on the way back. And it's just not convenient. That, That to me is outweighs the benefits you're spending three or four hours driving for raw milk. Yeah. I I can't see myself doing that either, to be honest, but yeah, (laughs) if it was in the grocery store or at the farmer's market, potentially you mentioned earlier, you are from Wisconsin milk, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the, uh, the cheese capital of the world. So do you have any experience with cheese, fancy cheeses? I always have at least five different cheeses in my fridge. I think the last time I had super fancy cheese was when I visited my sister on our way out to moving here. We went to this farm to table place. Um, She knows she's, she's not into the farm stuff as much as I am, but she knows how much I like it. But we had this really good goat cheese spread on some homemade bread and it was, it was amazing. This is going to show my ignorance, but how does, how did you make different types of cheeses? Is it just the aging process? Uh, So I think it has to do with the aging process and then also the way you prepare it. I don't know too much about cheese making. I actually, I do kind of remember a video that I had to watch. I took, I think you'd be amazed, Commonerette. <laughs> the types of classes I had to take for my degrees. But we had to take this class about animal products and uh, food products. And one of our sections was dairy. So we learned how to make ice cream and we got to taste test different varieties of ice cream and rank them on quality. And then we did the same thing for cheese. And I vaguely remember how to make cheese, but I think it does have to do with aging and then also... um, if you're going to put, you know, extra things in there like salt and um, other special cranberries. I've seen cheese with cranberries and I've tasted it. That's really good Uh, from Wisconsin because fun fact, Wisconsin is the number one producer of cranberries in the U.S. I did not know that either. Is that where they have the cranberry commercials where the guys are in the water with all the cranberries? Yeah. um, Yeah. Ocean Spray does have a facility uh, in northern Wisconsin with um, the cranberry bogs. Yeah. Mm, Very cool. Very cool. What was your degree in if you're learning about animal products? So I have a couple degrees. I have a degree in biology and then I have two degrees in animal science, which is uh, not a degree you hear about a lot, but you can usually only get these degrees at um, land-grant universities and then um, some smaller schools that are more agriculture-based. Interesting. And was that inspired by working on the grandparents' dairy farm and you knew you wanted to be involved in farms throughout your life? Yeah, originally I actually wanted to be a vet, a large animal vet. I did a lot of ride-alongs with their local vet, and my aunt actually worked at their clinic, so that was kind of nice. And then I took, uh, oh, I think Chem 2, and I got a D, and I was nope, this isn't for me. (laughs) I can't. 
I can't even imagine doing like physics one and physics two. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you doing for your day job right now? Uh, I do something super specialized and it's not a road that I saw myself taking when I was a freshman in college, but I actually work at a forage analysis lab and I look at nutrient data of forages and crops that people feed their animals. So I look at, you know, how much protein is in this plant, how much fiber, how much starch, how much sugar, does this look right? Did somebody mess up a test here? And I look through probably 500 samples a day of things, everything between corn silage, wheat. Um, I look at manure samples and then people send in random stuff like ice cream Hmm. and fish (laughs) that has nothing to do with forages. So it's, it's quite interesting. I'm a bit confused as to what forages are. So forages are, um, they're plants that aren't grains. So that would be anything like um, alfalfa, cowpea, um, clovers, and then uh, your non-forages would be corn, wheat, uh, pearl millet, sorghum, anything with like a grain. And your job is to test whether this sample that you receive is in line with the standard for that? Yeah, exactly. And so it comes from someone's farm and it's not up to standard? Yeah, so people will use this to um, formulate diets usually, uh, especially dairy cattle. They are very precise in how much, you know, for example, crude protein You want to have at least, I believe it's uh, 18% crude protein if you're going to feed that to your milking cow in order for her to have enough protein to produce enough milk. And then also they test it for things like minerals. You don't want to have any kind of mineral toxicity that could cause your animals to die. Super fascinating. I love going down all these rabbit holes with people all over the jungle. (laughs) So if, for instance, I'm a farmer and one of my cows just died randomly I might send you some stuff from my farm and be like what was it that they ate oh yes exactly um we've had people um actually it was pretty sad the last month I think we had a client send in a sample because one of their show sheep just randomly died and Mm. they the vet did a necropsy and couldn't find anything physically wrong with them so that was their next thing was to test the feed uh, it's really common for sheep to die from copper toxicity. So they wanted to test their feed to see if the cop there was any copper in the feed. And then someone's horse went down too. And so they sent in their alfalfa to see if there was anything that could have um, impacted the death of the horse based on what they were eating. That is fascinating. I did not know that was a thing, to be honest. Uh, do you, you like doing it? Yeah, I, it's similar to what I did in my graduate schooling. I worked a lot with plants and it's kind of an interesting disciplinary because my degree is not in plants at all. Um, It's in, yeah, like I said, animal science and animal nutrition. And so I kind of love combining the worlds of um, animal science and then uh, agronomy, which is the study of crops. So I really enjoy this actually. 
And is the dream to run your own farm one day or what are you hoping to do in long term? The dream would be to probably move back to the Midwest. Um, my parents are lucky enough to own land. They just currently rent it out to farmers right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely the offer on the table for um, purchasing land from them, a couple acres. Uh, I would not personally get dairy cattle. They're a little too high maintenance for me. But yeah, some cows, um, pigs, probably not sheep um and chickens too and then a garden would be really nice that would and then a bunch of kids <laughs> that would be the dream right there and dairy cattle are too uh I don't know what the word you said was it too time consuming because you have to milk them yeah too high maintenance you too have to maintenance. be able to milk them twice a day um so if you would ever leave for you know an extended amount of time someone has to come and milk your cows. Um, Beef cattle, usually you could leave them for a day or two and they'll be fine. And what is the difference between the two biologically where that's the case? So I believe they are a subspecies of each other. Oh, wow. Um, But I think biologically, so your beef cattle are going to be, they have a lower statue. So they're actually pretty short. Like I'm... Well, I'm 5'3", five, 5'2", five, and I can usually be taller than a beef steer or, you know, a heifer, but dairy cattle are very tall. Um, I can barely, you know, touch the top of a brown Swiss. They're very tall, and they're also, um, they're more skinnier. Um, you can mm. see kind of their hip bones more, which doesn't mean they're unhealthy. It's just the way that gravity works and their body hangs. Whereas beef, they're more biologically made to put fat on their body because they were bred for that characteristic. Um, but then you also have a breed called a shorthorn. So there's a milking shorthorn and then, you know, a beef shorthorn, which they can they can kind of work as both a beef and a dairy cow, but they're obviously not going to be a high performing dairy cow or a high performing beef cow they're kind of going to meet at the middle and how long does a dairy cow get to live well that really depends um i know people who have had their show cows like cows that will make them money um they show them at world dairy expo or at the county fair or the state fair and they'll let them live out their lives till like you know 13 14 years mm. um but then you have cows that, um, you know, it's it's hard because you have to look at a farm sometimes as like a business and the cows are the products, especially if that's your only source of income. Um, it reminds me of, I recently just watched um, Clarkson Farms, which is a show on Amazon and it's about Jeremy Clarkson. I I don't know how he's famous, to be honest. My boyfriend told me, but I I forgot. But he has a lot of money, and he can just drop money on a dime for his farm that he decided he wanted to do or have a couple years ago. And spoiler alert if people are watching, but he buys cows in the second season, or heifers. And there's this one heifer that she's not getting pregnant. And the purpose of a heifer 
to make you money is to get pregnant, have a calf. So she has milk and you can sell the calf for meat. Mm. And he AIs her, um, artificially inseminates her, I think three times. And it is really expensive to AI your cow. But he still gives hope for her. He's like, um, he gave her name. Her name is Pepper. And he's like, Pepper's going to get pregnant. It's going to happen. So they rent a bull to see if the bull can get her pregnant. And the bull, you know, they they see him attempt to get her pregnant a couple times. And they call the vet and she's still not pregnant. So in real life, if your heifer is not getting pregnant, she is a drain basically right. on your farm. She's not supporting a calf you have other cows or heifers that are pregnant they're eating just as much as this cow without a calf and they're going to produce you a calf and so her life you know in a re- in real life she would go right like she'd be done right but of course on this show you can't have that happen and he's like well i guess we're gonna have a pet cow <laughs> so he ends up keeping pepper <laughs> that's awesome so you have like very strong personalities like dogs do I've really never interacted with farm animals to be honest oh my gosh commoner you have to go you have (laughs) to meet a cow yes um I worked at a university farm for a semester and so I milked cows like three or four times a week and they have their own personalities there were always the same ones that had to be at the front of the line to get milked they always had to be like the first or second ones they were always there and then you always had the ones that preferred to be in the back and you'd have to like go grab them from the from the back of the pasture and be like all right it's time to go come on chop chop (laughs) and you have to just like sometimes push them because they would just stand there and you know they just needed a little encouragement and they are very curious animals so if you're standing and talking to somebody like you're talking to your vet in the pen about one of your cows and you have your back turned they will just start licking you and trying to bite your clothes and sniffing you but as soon as you turn around they they get really self-conscious and they back away they're like oh my gosh why are you looking at me I you're not allowed to do that and they're just I love cows so much (laughs) (laughs) I can tell I I had a feeling um So how difficult is it, I can only imagine, to basically have strong relationships with animals like your pets, but as you just described, they're your business assets and you have to send them away or make really hard decisions. How painful is that in your experience? I've never owned cows before personally, but you know I can imagine, um, I've heard stories from my friends who own you know, pigs and sheep and cows and they have to send them away um a lot of people try to make them useful and they'll you know try and make them show animals or um when they were kids they would try to do that but yeah it's it's really hard to not grow attached yeah and I think you kind of just have to think about that you're feeding somebody too it's not it's also that part of the business as well like they were put on this earth by God to provide us with food. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, it's always difficult, you know, yeah. when you have to send yeah. an animal away when it's their time. Right. Right. I can only imagine. Um, wh- what is the economy or the business around showing the animals 
How do, do you know a ton of people who did that? Did you do that as a kid? Can you do that as an adult? Does it make a lot of money? I did not do that as a kid. My grandparents did not believe in showing it. Again, they very traditional, very set in their ways. Um, my cousins do show animals. Um, it's very popular to do it in 4-H. I don't know if you've heard of right, I've 4-H. Heard of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so they do that a lot. If you have a really good performing line, you can make thousands and thousands of dollars. I remember um, my freshman year, I was sitting in the back of a class of a lecture hall and a bunch of these guys were watching, you know, World Day Expo on their computers because they live streamed that. <laughs> and I was just kind of amazed. I was like, oh, is that World Day Expo? Like, what are you watching? And this guy goes, yeah, it's the Ayrshire show. And I'm like, oh, is that cow really good? And he he stops and he slowly turns to me and he goes, that cow is probably worth more than your parents' house. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. I get it. This is a culture I'm not, I have no experience with. That's amazing that it was yeah. like, in my college lecture halls, they were live streaming MMA fights and football games. <laughs> so very different. So what makes a good show cow? Just the size? Uh, oh my gosh, there's a whole lot of things. They have, they pick like specific judges every year for Royal Expo, And it is a huge honor if you are picked to judge a show. I think it has to do a lot with the way that the cow walks. Um, and if it's called top line, it's basically the spine. They will cut the cows like groom them so that they have a perfect like a straight top line of hair and then the udders are super important too you want to make sure that they're straight and not crooked um cows can have crooked udders and then um if there's like a good crease in the udder between the quarters that's also really good and the way that she walks um if she walks smoothly or if she um you know is struggling a little bit that um, has a lot to do with um, breeding because um, if you know a cow can't walk very well mm-hmm. that's really not a good sign <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and do people breed solely for showing them yes they do um, that's kind of where the industry uh, divides because you have some people who are breed for showing and kind of visuals and looks and that doesn't necessarily always equate to a high producing cow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people have different opinions about that. Can I flip a cow? Like, can I buy one and then say it's worth more than what I paid for it and try to sell it again? I mean, if you prove it, uh, if you have the records, you know, if you can prove that, hey, my cow has not gotten any type of mastitis. Uh, she has no health issues. I've been able to get her pregnant two times in a row. So she's super fertile. And she has been able to consistently, you know, produce this many pounds of milk annually. Fascinating. Because I have a friend whose sister flips horses and she'll buy them overseas in Europe and she'll pay Mm -hmm. for them to be shipped to the United States, have them checked by the vet, and then she'll sell them in the United States. And a lot of times she'll buy ones that look good on the internet or through her network of people who know the horses and then they don't pass the vet check. So she has to basically invest 
thousands of dollars to just get the horse here. And then if the horse doesn't pass the vet check, she just loses that investment. But she can make 30 or 40 grand on flipping a horse. Oh my gosh. That's well, horses are so risky. I feel like they're one of the most riskiest livestock purchases you can make. But I just know that they're super fragile. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But good for her. Like, I know, that's, right? That's awesome. And she started because she loves riding horses and she wanted to be able to fund it as an adult. So she has her own horse and then she flips horses on the side to basically fund her, that lifestyle that is very expensive to ride horses. Um, but yeah, interesting. This this whole economy, I had no idea about. There were two 4-H kids in my high school, I think. And mm -hmm. I didn't really understand exactly what was going on. But I went to the state fair a few times and I saw the animals there. Um, but yeah, that's really my only interaction with the animals that I eat every single day, which is probably not <laughs> sufficient. <laughs> Yeah. You need more cows commoner. I know. I need a cow in my life. <laughs> On the topic of cows, is wearing cow leather appropriate? <laughs> is it, um, I don't know. Some people don't want to use animal products. I don't think you're that kind of person, but do you find it a good ode to the cow for the leather to be used? I mean, I personally, I look terrible in leather, but <laughs> um, when I've been out West, you know, there are people who just rock it, like people in Montana, Wyoming, Colorado. I, you know, I say more power to you. I feel like it's a waste if you're not going to use the rest of the cow and the leather. It It's super nice. I think it's a very good material for clothes. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if the Poor cow has already lost his life. Might as well maximize it. I completely agree. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I've never understood the the PETA point of view, to be honest. If if animals were being killed solely for their pelts, that's perhaps one argument that could be made. But if the animal is already being used for multitude of our purposes, I don't see why it should be an issue if you use their fur or their leather. Um Listening to Joe Rogan, though, is when I really learned about how hunting can actually conserve animal species because the hunters have a vested interest in that population surviving so they can come back and hunt next year. So they actually invest money and they try to preserve the population. So hunting, though it takes a few members of this, the population out every year, it actually keeps them going long term. I don't know if you have any experience with hunting where you're from. I actually don't. I've never hunted before. I shot a gun for the first time this past year, um, but I fully support it. Um, <laughs> I so I shot kind of. I shot a kind of an old school pistol, and then I did a shotgun, and then I did try an AK. <gasps> and yeah, I was in a very. Uh, I was in a state where there's it's there's not a lot of laws, and you kind of. <laughs> um and yeah people just have guns to try <laughs> we know people who knew people so uh it was a really fun experience actually and um I would do it again hands down I don't know if I would have the patience for hunting though uh mm. that's where I and you're so cold <laughs> at least when you hunt up north but I I have to give it to the people who especially I think the people who elk hunt are people who have to like track down 
right uh what they're hunting oh people who I have a friend who's a really avid hunter and he got a tag to hunt wolves in Wisconsin oh uh I think it was last year the year before and he said it took him like two or three hours to find his wolf and they had somebody they had hired somebody who would go and hunt wolves with him but he did actually find a wolf and kill it wow wolves are crazy creatures they're so big I'm always surprised when I see photos of them how big they are yeah they're I wouldn't mess with a wolf <laughs> no way no way I've I've also never shot a gun I'm gonna lose so much respect in the jungle for saying that ox has already yelled at me several people have already yelled at me um I don't know we just never had a gun in the house my parents don't have one I probably should at least practice firing one. I don't know if I'm ready to get one in my house. It does freak me out, even if it's in a safe. I just had a I had a friend who just got her um, permit to carry. And it de- really depends on the state. You know, there's a lot of states that have really strict gun laws and other states that are like, oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, you just have to sign a few things to get a few classes. Yeah. But I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I don't think I would have wanted my first experience with a gun to be what I did. I would rather go to, you know, like a class or like a, mm. a closed shooting range, but it is what it is. And at least you're not, not open to <laughs> trying yeah. to learn how to, you know, use a gun. Yeah. I, I'm really just clumsy. So I'm concerned about just me doing something stupid, honestly. That's what my boyfriend's worried about. <laughs> he he wants to yeah. have a gun, but he doesn't want me anywhere near it. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah, mine's the same way. He's like, make sure you have the safety on. He's like, you got three rules and you need to follow them. We are not hurting anybody. And I was like, okay, okay. And he's like, I'm serious. <laughs> um, how did you meet your boyfriend? We met in college. Uh, about 10 years ago, actually, but we haven't been dating that long. I met mine in college, too. I found a funny tweet the other week where it said, if you didn't meet your boyfriend or spouse in college, give up now. There's no hope. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I kind of feel that way because my sister didn't meet anyone in college and she's kind of struggling right now. My brother, same Uh, way. Same thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's brutal out there so oh my gosh it's so it is I feel so (laughs) bad I oh my gosh I just I want to be like oh I wish I could set you up with somebody but also I am kind of done with that world and (laughs) I yeah I just wish the best of luck to anybody still out there single especially the people in you know their teens and early 20s yeah it's harrowing I uh, I try not to go to the bar scene as much as possible, but sometimes I am dragged there, mm-hmm. and it's like watching a soap opera, but also like a, a just horrible. It's just like a war movie. It's just terrifying the whole time. What's going on? Everyone's wasted. Like if you need to get wasted to do this, perhaps not what you really want to do. Yeah, I totally get that. That that was definitely me when I was twenty one. I I think you mentioned you're you're like around 21 22 and Mm -hmm. oh my gosh you're doing so much better than where I was when I was 21 (laughs) I I was one of those people that was wasted and drunk oh I I, I, (laughs) okay 
don't want to sound too much on my high horse. I I've been been there a few nights myself here, milkmaid. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you just hope those people grow out of it. Um, I eventually did, and I guess that's all you can hope for. I definitely had a few times myself. Um, I also think people are pressured into it. Like this is fun. This is what fun is. This is what you're gonna do every weekend. This is fun. Remember, and um, that's why there's such a culture of it. And I was talking to people, um, when I got trapped in Europe with COVID a few weeks ago, it was a global thing. So there were people from all over the world there. And before Mm -hmm. I got trapped, I was talking to them about just the culture and things like that. And their drinking age is much lower than in the U S and they have much lower incidence of alcoholism, lower incidence of people just going nuts at 18 Mm -hmm. because they've started drinking legally with their parents from the age of 15 up and it's just wine with dinner or it's a glass of scotch or something a little bit chiller whereas mm-hmm. we wait so long and then you go to college and go off the the deep end so it creates a strange culture in the United States around alcohol yeah I definitely agree with that and it is a little I don't know how it is in other states obviously but Wisconsin again if you've, you've probably seen the slogan, drink Wisconsinably, um, <laughs> it's a, yeah, people drink in Wisconsin a lot. And I don't, I don't exactly know if that's the same. It happens the same way. People still go really crazy, uh, especially at UW, Wisconsin, Madison. Um, and Wisconsin is, does have a really high, you know, drunk driving rate. Mm. and uh drinking kind of was not that popular with my family um my mom's parents they only drank they only drank at the supper clubs and they only drank <laughs> cocktails um but then my dad's side are much the opposite my cousin owns a bar my uncle owns a bar um my grandpa my grandpa loved to drink um <laughs> like right I love telling this story where he um it was maybe his last year in life but so he kind of wasn't all there but we were just sitting on the porch and they just moved into the city from their farm and he there was like this 13 year old kid riding his bike and he shouts hey kid do you want a beer and I'm like grandpa you cannot just offer kids beer and he's like well I just thought he might want one it's about <laughs> Like, oh my gosh, grandpa. <laughs> when old people get to a certain age where they completely lose their filter, it's so funny. And they're just so refreshing at that age. I completely relate to that. My parents were, they weren't strict about alcohol. Well, they were strict, quote unquote. But my dad was like, you're not going to do this, commoner. You're going to wait until you're 21, kind of joking, because in his fraternity, he was literally on the beer chugging team. So every fraternity had a team of four beer chuggers and they would go, the first guy would go, the second guy, third guy, fourth guy, and then fourth guy, third guy, second guy, first guy. So it was a snake competition. And my Mm -hmm. dad was in the prime three spot where you have a little bit of time to recover, but then you have to go again. And it was he, he tells me not to drink, and then he was literally on the team that does it in college. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dad. Okay. <laughs> I have no problem That's with drinking awesome. now. I just don't like to steal 
energy from tomorrow by being hungover. And for some reason, if I have one beer, I feel it the next day. And I don't know why. Oh, Oh, same, same. I, I'm sorry. My dog just walked in. (laughs) He wants to join. Um, (laughs) I, I feel the same way too. I, we had a friend come and visit us just the other weekend and I chose non-alcoholic drinks because I'm like, I have to be up. I'm going to church tomorrow. I, I have one beer and I'm going to be hungover. So I actually really like that people, that non-alcoholic drinks, like that market is kind of growing. I really, I really like that. Oh, they're great for company happy hours because you can have Mm -hmm. something in your hand and it's not weird and people don't ask about it. It's great. Yeah. I bet. I, I can't imagine going to company happy hours. I, I feel for you whenever you, t- when you tweet about that. <laughs> I'm trying to picture what your company happy hour would look like. It'd probably be a lot more fun than my company happy hour. <laughs> oh my goodness. Have you ever been line dancing? Oh, heck yeah. I've been line yeah. dancing. That, that was like the one 18 and over bar or club near me when I was growing up. And so that's what we would do. We would go line dancing. And I was not from the country. I was from suburbia. So I can, I know it my way around a two-step and fake ID. It was so fun. Oh, oh, you'd fit right in. (laughs) (laughs) I try to tell people that now and they hate country music. What? Okay. So many people hate country music. Why? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Well, I kind of get it if it's like heavy pop. Um, and if they can't get down with like George Strait or <laughs> classic country, but I'm I'm gonna tell you this, I do not like Lake Shelton. <laughs> um, what says um the boys around here drinking that ass cold beer? Luke Bryan. Oh darn it. Wait, what's the one? No, it's like What's this main one that's super the red is got redneck in the title? The Redneck Yacht Club? No, that's not Luke Bryan. Okay. See, okay, I'm a fake country fan. I like I only started when I started going line dancing. <laughs> um, but that was at the the Europe thing. My trainer was from Germany and she goes, Do you listen to country music? And I was like, Yeah, I do. And she was like, Have oh. you heard this song? And she puts on Big Green Tractor. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I at first I was laughing really hard and then I just played right into it and I was like, <laughs> my big <Yeah>. brain tractor. <laughs> so yes. Oh my gosh. Um right but when in. I went line dancing, it was um the first time I went was in the Midwest and the second time I went was like down south and it was with my friends who were from the area and they knew I did I know a couple line dances but they knew like everything and they I felt really out of place because like I have cowgirl boots but they're super nice and I hardly wear them and I actually walk I don't walk very well in them the toe is like super long longer Mm -hmm. than what I'm used to but they were just walked in like they own the place and I'm like well I'm glad I'm not by myself and I'm here with you guys (laughs) uh we would look we would learn the dances on youtube before so we would literally i had so much fun the first time i went me and my girlfriends would get together and we would practice the dances at home before we went to actually go dancing um because it does make it 10 times more fun when you know a lot more dances but i will say Mm -hmm. the ratio of women to men at least at the place i was at 
it was like 12 women for every one guy. So hmm. for the the lads listening, there's a piece of alpha. Go <laughs> go try your nearby line dancing bar and see see what you find there. Yeah, definitely. And I actually so I've mentioned this before and on Twitter, I was in a sorority, but we were we would go to fraternities that were agriculture based and we would actually do line dances at the frat parties we would go to it's so cool when a guy can dance it's really fun it is definitely and it's also just fun to see someone relax and not take themselves so seriously so Mm -hmm. all all reasons to go for it fellas um yeah (laughs) i actually taught my brother how to two-step because he came one time and had a blast and wanted to impress the ladies so we would practice in the living room my mom thought it was the cutest thing ever <laughs> you're just you're setting him up for meeting a nice girl at I know. a line dancing place that's my sister-in-law i'm very <laughs> i want to pick her but i don't know if i'm allowed to <laughs> but yeah so how did a, a nice lass like yourself find this dark dark corner of the internet i don't exactly remember i think i was on my personal Twitter, I've had a Twitter account for like a long time. I think since like 2012 maybe, but I'd never post anything because I thought I thought Twitter was dumb and I didn't, I still don't get all like the lingo. I'll have to, I'll ask my boyfriend. I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> I, this is, I'm going to get so much hate for this. I didn't know what Wi-Fi money meant. I thought it meant crypto i was like <laughs> what is that the same thing <laughs> that's funny I, so i i'm not i have to look up stuff a lot especially when people are talking not matter-of-factly um but i think a friend of a friend or somebody i followed was following bull tide bow tide bull and then farmer came up of course on my twitter <laughs> and that's kind of how I was like, yeah, okay, these people are cool. And then yeah, I started seeing your videos too. And I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to see if I can, you know, do something with this community. And I'd never given um, online community try before. I didn't, I thought it was kind of dumb to meet people over the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never like, you know, met a friend over, you know, Facebook or Instagram and I just thought I was like why are you trying to meet people online there's people in real life (laughs) right but I've soon been proven wrong I've had a lot of great conversations with people in the jungle and have um, grown fond of a lot of people and um, I think great uh, made great relationships with a few people too I completely agree when I first saw it um, so I followed Bowtie Bull and I was just there for pure investment advice. When do I buy Bitcoin? That was the only reason why I signed mm-hmm. up. And then he started telling me that I was going to die poor. I'm broke. I'm never going to escape the rat race. And I was like, gee whiz, I just want to know when to buy Bitcoin. Like this is a downer. And but I kept reading and I was like, wow, this is true. I really do need to take this advice to heart. And I joined solely to make a buck. Like I had no plans that the community would be as strong as it is. I have been Mm -hmm. so surprised by the people I've been able to meet and how kind and very generous people are with their time. I'm always surprised by that. And I think it's 
you never it is so crazy people like us get to meet at least virtually some of the people Mm -hmm. we've been able to talk to on this community it's just yeah honestly baffling (laughs) it is it is I feel like I think I joined less than a year ago I joined in June maybe July of 2022 and I just think of how much different my life is Mm -hmm. uh, for one thing uh shout out to Bowtie Angel I know she hasn't been on recently but her recommendation for my shampoo my hair has never been better ever Mm. in my life um I miss her if she listens to this (laughs) she's awesome and all the families the families are so great and oh my gosh they're so cute Miss Farmer and Farmer and the gardens oh I love them so so sweet and then Heifer and Ox new parents today I know I found my tweet that's going out tomorrow morning I I know people are probably like, where does she get her cow pictures? I just find them. <laughs> and I honestly, I I get kind of embarrassed when people are like, oh, did you make these donuts? And I'm like, no, I'm so sorry. I didn't make That's these hilarious. cupcakes. I didn't make this cake, this cake. But um, yeah, my tweet tomorrow morning is going to be about uh, Bowtie Heifer and Bowtie Ox's new baby. That's and her tweet about South Park. Goals. <laughs> I totally want to do that. I totally want to be laughing right before I give birth. <laughs> South Park has always been my favorite cartoon. It's just, or just comedy show, to be honest. It's always hysterical. Every single I one. Did, I didn't start watching South Park until my sophomore or junior year of college. Uh, so I, I think the ginger episode came out while I was in high school and I did not get it when people were like, oh, you're a ginger. You don't have a soul. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And I, yeah, my favorite, I love, yeah. And my favorite South Park character has to be Towley. I love him. He's so funny. (laughs) It's a great show. I don't like, um. Like Rick and Morty, people like that one a lot. It's okay. I don't know. I'm a South Park purist for sure. Yeah. The only episode I like about Rick and Morty is um, Pickle Rick, where he turns himself into a pickle. Yeah, that is a classic. That's just quality memes. Yeah. But then I was, my boyfriend told me, he's like, you can't watch Rick and Morty anymore. And I was like, well, why not? He's like, well, he got charged for domestic assault <laughs> right, or violence. Right. And I was like, oh, great. I did hear it's about perfect. that. You know, yeah. I haven't thought much about this take before I say it. And so I could t- definitely edit it out. But <laughs> human beings are imperfect. Do we hold the arts or whatever they create to the standard that we hold them? Because if you do, if you destroy everything that was made by an imperfect human, you're going to have to start taking a sledgehammer to the pyramids and to every piece of Roman architecture, destroy your computer, like every single thing you've made. So, I don't know, separating the person from the art. There's some justification for that. Yeah, I think it really depends on what their imperfections are. Um, I don't know about you, but I stopped listening to R. Kelly after right? that Chris whole Brown. thing came out yeah oh oh that was tough he did not just, yeah just <laughs> I just 
Yeah. There's just some things that just kind of, especially if you have a connection with that or if you have mm-hmm. experienced something like that in the past, you're just like, I'm sorry, I can't be supporting yeah. you through your music or your TV show or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Well, this has been so much fun. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Uh, yeah, I loved how we started talking about cows and then we're talking <laughs> about Chris Brown. I know. <laughs> But um, for those who are listening, where would you like to direct them right now? Where can they find more of your stuff? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is actually, I think it's Bowtied Raw Milk because I originally came into the jungle as a jug of milk. <laughs> and then I rebranded because that just did not seem sit right with me. Uh, but I definitely encourage people to follow uh I think it's Get Raw Milk. That's a really good account. And then um, Beef and Bitcoin is another account that I like to follow that um, encourages buying food locally. And then also they have the crypto aspect of it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and taking the time. Yeah. Thank you, Commoner. You're doing some good work here and um, you're going to make it. In no matter we're what we're all gonna make says, it. yeah we're all gonna make it i've already tattooed it on my forehead so there's no going back now <laughs> it's permanent <laughs> thank you so much for listening this has been yet another episode of common sense if you liked the conversation please consider hitting that follow button on spotify oh and tell everyone you've ever met to do the same And while you're feeling generous, why not subscribe to my YouTube channel? I promise I've ridiculed at least one of the identity groups you dislike. You have a great day now.